Hey Trekkies, welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name's Chris Fox, and I yell about all things Star Trek, and you listen so my friends and family don't have to. Today, I want to talk about the underappreciated series Star Trek Enterprise and why I think Netflix can actually turn it into one of the greats. More specifically, I want to talk about everyone's favorite season three and why I think Netflix can actually turn season three into what I would call not peak television, but perhaps peak television adjacent. Something that's not quite as good as peak television, but comes pretty close. Now, just for some background, as you might remember, season three was perhaps the most controversial season of Star Trek ever, maybe not counting Discovery, but before Discovery, it was considered to be one of the most controversial seasons. And there were a few reasons for that. One, well, it was dealing with 9-11 and the war on terror, which was specifically terrorism, something that Star Trek really didn't deal with. They did a little bit in DS9. They did a little bit in the original series, but not a whole lot. And the other reason that Star Trek Enterprise Season 3 was controversial was because of the storyline being a single storyline. So in essence, it meant that that entire season was devoted to one single thing, and that was, of course, them trying to find the Zindi weapon, destroy it, and save Earth from getting destroyed by that weapon. So those two things kind of made it pretty controversial, but then, you know, when it aired and eventually that season concluded, people weren't that impressed with it, fans didn't like it, and Enterprise was like, well, okay, we did it, we did our best, Uh, we're back for season four, but now we really got to make sure that you know, people like our show because we're very close to being canceled and this is our last shot. Um, Season four was much better received. I enjoy season four a lot, but season three, not so hot. Now, when thinking about season three, I think there's actually two key reasons that fans and critics didn't like the season at all. One, I think, was because of the tone. The tone of season three was a lot darker than anything that Trekkies had ever seen at that point. Like, you can take a look at DS9, and DS9 was criticized for being a lot darker than TNG, but even with the darker themes of DS9, you know, things like touching on war and terrorism and uh, trauma, they still were done in such a way that while they were still dark, they still felt like Star Trek, and it wasn't just in-your-face darkness all the time. Whereas in season three, you get darkness all the time. You get characters that are just so concerned about Earth being destroyed um, that they're, you know, in a state of panic. Characters' actions are a little bit darker. Uh, Captain Archer tortures some people. They maroon a ship. And so they just do things that are not very Starfleet-like. And, um, you know, they're kind of miserable because they are in a situation where they don't know where the bad guys are and they have no idea if they're going to succeed or not. And if they don't, everyone they know and love is going to die. And you're also dealing with all the resource issues, the fact that they don't have limited resources, the fact that the ship does get damaged and when it gets damaged, they stay in that damage for a long time. It doesn't get magically repaired. So you have that sense of darkness. Everything's a bit grittier. Everyone's really glum and there's just a lot of doom and gloom in that season. The other reason I don't think that season was successful was because of the requirement for them to be 24 episodes. So these were, you know, 24 episodes across the season, each episode 
airing a week after the previous one. So in essence, you're waiting 24 weeks for the conclusion of that story. Now that's fine when you're dealing with an episodic show or even a show that has, you know, something that is a bit more akin to DS9 where there's an overarching issue of the war, but it's not every episode that deals with the war. So it doesn't feel exhausting. But when your only mission is to find the Zindi weapon, destroy it and save Earth, but you're doing that across 24 episodes, it can get a little bit exhausting, a little bit tiring because, you know, you have an episode where they're like, okay, episode one, uh, we're in the expanse and we need to go find the Zindi. They find the Zindi. Oh, we need to find the homeworld. They get that information and we have to wait until next week to see if, if they get to the homeworld. You know, we find out it's not the right information. They need to go somewhere else. So it's just a lot of what I would call a fetch quest, but across 24 episodes in 24 weeks from, you know, October to May or whatever that is. So it's just a long time. When you take into account both of those things, critics and fans were just like, this is not Star Trek. It's long. It's tiring. And everybody is miserable. You know, I let, let's let move past this. Let's not watch the season again. And I was with everyone. I watched the season. I didn't love it. I was relieved when it was over. I mean, there was stuff that was cool in it. But overall, I didn't like it. And that would have that would have been 2003. And so I think I was in probably grade six at that time. Didn't like the season at all. Season four came out. Loved it. Watched season four all the time. Great but didn't like season three. But that all changed in summer 2013, when for some reason that summer, I was able to borrow the complete series from a friend. I don't remember why I did it, but I borrowed the complete series and started watching it. And eventually I got to season three, binged it over a couple of weeks or whatever it was, maybe a week. I want to say it's a couple of weeks. So I don't want to say I was watching it all the time, but I, of course it's me. So I watch a lot of Star Trek and that's what I do in my free time. So yes, it could have very well been an entire week that I binged season three. But when I binged it, I was blown away by how good it was. It was just phenomenal. And so I started thinking like, well, why did I not like it when it originally aired, but I liked it so much more in 2013 well i think there's you know there's a few reasons one i was a lot older and perhaps a little bit wiser and i was more attuned to things like character development and this idea that you know ships don't need to be pristine all the time and that maybe a ship getting destroyed or getting really heavily damaged and them living within that damage for a few episodes is actually pretty good so I liked those things, but more so than that was the format. The fact I was watching it on the DVD set, which meant I could watch episode one, finish it, and then say, you know what, I'm in the mood to watch episode two. So immediately start episode two, and then go to episode three, four, and so on and so on, or so on and so forth. I don't know if that's the correct expression. I'm assuming it's so on and so forth. Yes, I'm going to go with that. And, you know, so I would just keep doing that, and I would binge the entire season so it wasn't going over a period of 24 weeks um so i was not only able to keep track of the storyline a little bit easier because everything was fresh in my mind but it wasn't feeling tedious like okay now i have to wait another week or so just to find out that well they're still not getting anywhere and they're no closing to finding out where the zindi are and where the weapon is and they're no closer to destroying it so watching it back to back and being able to speed up when I got to watch it and not have to wait a week in between 
made the experience feel a lot, not fresher, but just it seemed to flow better. And I was like, okay, this is not just trying my patience. Another benefit with watching it on DVD was the fact I could skip all the clunky episodes. It's Star Trek, so of course they're going to have the classic, oh, there's a... There's some alien virus that's mutating our people into aliens. Oh, my goodness. And, oh, there's some other shenanigans that are afoot that are, oh, what's this weird anomaly doing? Oh, maybe let's have some time travel or other things that don't necessarily relate to the weapon. So you get these kind of clunky episodes that don't really relate to the episode or rather to the entire season and are just more, hey, we need to have something Star Trek light. And I'm making air quotes, which you can't see. Um, but you're making it feel like Star Trek because you've got to have some weird sci-fi stuff, which is fine. But when you're watching it week to week, those episodes like, oh, great, we're not even getting anywhere in the story because, look, they're running around turning into aliens. And, well, I could just watch TNG if I want that. So being able to skip those episodes was fantastic. It meant I could skip an episode and be like, all right, well, this one doesn't look good. I'm going to stop it and then go to the next one. Essentially what I was doing, I was skipping the filler episodes and I was watching a very concise story that was well acted and well told. And so in essence, I was able to skip all the crappy episodes that didn't really add anything to the story. And I was left with episodes that were really well crafted and well thought out. So when actually, you know, viewing those episodes, it felt like I was watching a well-crafted, well-thought-out story. So jump forward to the future when we have Netflix. And I think with Netflix, it takes that experience that I had on the DVD set. So let's jump forward and talk about Netflix because that is the main topic I want to focus on. And I think Netflix really does transform Enterprise, specifically season three, into one of the most hated uh seasons of Star Trek and turns it into one of the best. Now, as I said, with watching them on DVD and having the entire set, I was able just to skip all the episodes that weren't good and just watch things one after the other. And with Netflix, you get that ability to watch an episode one after the other, which is fantastic. You can also skip the episodes that you don't like, What I was, which is the same thing I was doing with the DVDs, but it's even more accessible because you can watch it wherever you want. You can watch it on the TV. You can watch it in the kitchen. You can watch it while doing laundry you can watch it while on a bus in a car whatever you're doing you can watch enterprise which is fantastic it just means that it makes that experience so much easier you don't even need to go into your cabinet get the dvds out open the case put them into the dvd player and turn it on and do the whole thing which it sounds really stupid because it's not that much work but when you're dealing with netflix it's like oh my gosh putting in a movie is just so complicated and so long I just want to be able to open up the app and hit play. So yeah, Netflix really does give you that experience. But then the accessibility of Netflix really does give you the chance to experience Star Trek Enterprise in the best way possible. So you get a well-crafted story of season three, but you also really get to appreciate some of the things that makes it so good. For example, the character development. Um, the best example being Captain Archer, who starts off as, I'm a man on a mission, I'm going to save my planet. I've got to find the weapon, but I'm going to do the right thing. I'm still an ethical and moral person, so I'm going to live by that code. To someone that's like, well, maybe I can bend that code a little bit to get information that I need because, well, I need that information so my um, planet doesn't get destroyed to... Oof, I did a lot of horrible things this past year, and I'm not loving this. And, you know, maybe I should die. Maybe I should give up everything because I made too many mistakes 
and no one else should have to suffer for my mistakes. And you know what? Dying is the ultimate sacrifice. So I'm going to sacrifice myself and destroy the weapon on my own to someone who's finally back home who succeeded but is traumatized by what they did. And he's now on a quest to find himself again, to find Captain Archer from season one, the Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky, like, hey, I'm just here for a good time. We'd love to meet you guys. Are you a cool alien species? Yeah, let's chat. Why don't you come over to the Enterprise for iced tea and a, and a, and a drink and a dinner, you know? Um, so he finally ends up with that place of trying to find who he was when everything started in season one. So I think, yeah, character development, fantastic. And one of the other things that I thought was so great about that season was the fact that Enterprise would get damaged and characters would have to live in that damage for the next episode or even longer than the next episode. And it wasn't just going to be repaired and then, you know, cleaned and turned into the pristine ship that it was when it left, that it was showing that, hey, things that happen in this episode are going to impact the next episode, which is something that I think cannot be underappreciated in Star Trek because that is so often not the case. And the damage, a perfect way of of illustrating that. And finally, I thought there were some really good relationships in that season that were established. Uh, The main example being Tucker and DePaul. Tucker and DePaul are fantastic. You know, they always sort of get along in... The earlier season, season one, they're kind of anti- antagonistic, but season two, they're more professional and they seem to tolerate each other. But by season three, they really do start to, you know, develop a romantic bond and they become what I think was perhaps maybe one of the best couples in Star Trek history. They're fantastic. And all of that unfolds methodically over season three. It's not just one day, oh, they're in love with each other, but it's like it happens organically and methodically. And it's like, you can really see the change from each episode to finally where they're like, hey, we're in love. What do we do about that? So that was one of the treats of season three. You know, all of those things to me made Enterprise season three a truly fantastic piece of television. And if you haven't seen it yet, go and watch it. If you haven't seen it in a long time, go and watch it because it's a treat. And hey, there's a lot of negative stuff going on right now. And, you know, with coronavirus and the Trump situation and just all this garbage that, you know what, you deserve to go and watch something fun, even though it's a little bit bleak. But but believe me, it's a good binge. It'll, it'll be enjoyable and it'll just make the time go by really quickly, which right now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm at the stage where I'm like, can I find something to do for the next hour? If I can, fantastic. That's an hour that I have just wasted, which I'm always looking for. Uh, things to waste my time with because man I just have so much time right now uh, when I'm not working so yeah go check it out let me know what you think do you agree that uh, season three is made better by Netflix than it's maybe peak television adjacent or are you completely um, against Enterprise season three and are you just so turned off by the topic that you don't even want to watch Enterprise season three ever again let me know send me an email uh, let me know what you liked about the episode. Let me know what I can improve in the episode uh, for next time. And just either way, have a fantastic day and we will see you next time.